So what were you doing when you were 17 years old? If you could remember that far back for some of you. Probably in high school, enjoying those years, maybe a junior in high school, playing on the basketball team or baseball team, football, soccer, whatever it is. Can you imagine being sold by your brothers at the age of 17, taken away from your home and your family, framed, thrown in jail, having done nothing wrong, kind of rotting in jail for two years? Well, you know the story of Joseph. And we come to chapter 45 of Genesis, and we see Joseph meeting his brothers. And you can imagine what most people would do if they would have met their brothers after what their brothers had done to them. And yet we see no bitterness in this man's life. Genesis 45, we begin reading at verse 1. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me. You and your children, and your children's children, and your flocks, and your herds, and all that you have. There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine to come. And you and your household, and all that you have, would be impoverished. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, it is so easy in our sinful flesh to allow a root of bitterness to spring up and defile many. Father, for those who have been wounded in various ways throughout their lives, I just pray, Lord, that you would give them the grace to break the chains of bitterness, to be willing to forgive and to experience, O oh God, your peace and your joy when those chains are broken. I thank you, Lord, for what you did in the life of Joseph, how you took a young man who had faced a very difficult life, and you produced in him the fruit of your Spirit. And you enabled him to be gracious to those who had wronged him. 
Lord, teach us what that means today. For we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Old Joel was dying, and for years he had been at odds with a friend of his by the name of Bill. And he wanted to straighten things out before he entered eternity, and so he called for his friend to come to his hospital room. And with great uh, reluctance and yet willingness, he, he apologized for what he had done to Bill, and, and he... Uh, assured Bill that that he had forgiven him as well. And everything seemed fine until Bill turned to go out of the room and and Joe called out after he said, But remember, Bill, if I get better, this doesn't count. <laughs> if you've ever been deeply hurt by someone, you know how easy it is to be bitter. And you think of Joseph, a man who had been literally sold by his brothers. Can you imagine experiencing that? Maybe when you're growing up as teenagers, you probably could imagine that, when you had some of those, some of those battles with your brother or sister. But think of that. They literally sold him as a slave into Egypt. And now we come many years down the road, and here is Joseph's opportunity to get back at these brothers of his. And yet we don't see any bitterness here. We see forgiveness. We see a willingness to provide for those who had wronged him. One of the most amazing illustrations of a man who refused to be chained by bitterness. So how do we break the chains of bitterness? First of all, notice how Joseph was one who refused to defile others with bitterness. If you look at verse 1, you'll see that Joseph is making himself known to his brothers now. And his attendants were standing with him, but he told them to leave. He told them to, to leave the room so that he could make himself known to his brothers all alone. And I think that was very wise for Joseph to do that because the problems between Joseph and his brothers were problems that had taken place years before this. And so Joseph's attendants, they didn't know Joseph's brothers. They were not aware of all that had happened in their past and, and how they had sold him into slavery. They were neither part of the problem nor were they part of the solution. And so there was no need for them to be involved. You know what? We make a mistake when we've been wronged by others to recruit others and to bring others into the picture. Because when we do that, we can make matters worse. For one thing, if I'm struggling with bitterness, others can reinforce that in me. If they see how I was hurt, they can encourage me to be bitter, maybe unintentionally. Can you picture Joseph's attendants as they witness what was going on here and find out about what Joseph's brothers have done to him? Can't you just imagine them saying, if I was you, Joseph, I would be fuming. <laughs> Can't you imagine that happening? 
And Joseph kind of being encouraged to be bitter for what his brothers had, had done to him. But worse than being encouraged by others in my bitterness, I can infect them with bitterness. I can turn people against the one who has wronged me, and as a result, that bitterness has a way of spreading, doesn't it? I don't think we realize how much damage we can do when we share our grudges with others. Hebrews 12 was our scripture reading today, and one of the verses of that chapter, that section really struck me. Verse 15, it says, see to it, Hebrews 12, verse 15, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Bitterness is like a root. It's like a sin that takes root in our life, and when it springs up, it bears fruit in other ways. And as it bears fruit in other ways, it defiles other people. And that's why we must be very careful that when we have been wounded, that we're not just recruiting all kinds of people to stand with us on our side against this person who has hurt us. Because that will cause the bitterness to spread. There was a woman in a small community that told a story about a local pastor that was not true. And sometime later, the woman became sick and confessed the story. And in her, and in her recovery, she shared with her pastor how sorry she was for what, he, what he, she had done. And, and he accepted her apology. But then he said... I want you to go home. I want you to kill a black hen, pluck the feathers, and put them in a basket and bring them here. She was a little bit puzzled by that, but she went and did it. And, and so in a half hour, she came back, and she, she had these feathers. And, and now the pastor said, I want you to go through the village, and that at every street corner, I want you to scatter a few of those feathers. And then the remaining ones, I want you to tank them to the top of the water tower and let them go. And so she did that. And then she came back and then and, and the pastor said, Now I want you to go and I want you to gather up all of those feathers that you left on the street corner and that you let fly from the water tower. And she said, Well, pastor, there's no way I could do that. How on earth am I to find all those feathers that have been scattered to the wind? Pastor didn't need to say anything. His point was pretty clear. When you spread stuff like that, how do you how do you take it back? Once you have allowed that rumor and that wound to to to, to, to be disseminated all over the place, you can't get it back. And so we break the chains of bitterness by refusing to defile others with our bitterness. Second thing we see in the life of Joseph, we break the chains of bitterness by realizing that God can turn evil into good. There's one question that many would have asked if they were in Joseph's shoes when troubles came. This is the question, where, where is God in all this? 
Where is God in all this? Does God see what's going on? Does he know what I'm facing? Does he even care that I've been sold by my brothers? That I'm in jail for having done nothing wrong? I'm sitting here for two years? Does God understand? There was probably a time in Joseph's life when he wondered about that. And I think we see a hint of that in chapter 40 when Joseph was in prison. Remember he interpreted the dream of the chief cupbearer and the chief uh, baker? And he says, when you get out of prison, I want you to remember me. Chapter 40, verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches, and as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said, here's the interpretation. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. And then he says, only keep me in mind. When it goes well with you, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house, for I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that should have put me in the dungeon. And so here Joseph, he's struggling with this. What is going on in my life? I was, I, was, I was sold by my brothers. I have done nothing wrong here. Tell Pharaoh so he can get me out of this situation. You sense there a, a real wondering, you know, God, where are you in this? Why, why am I facing this mess? But Joseph obviously came to the place where he knew that God was in the control of the events of his life, and he wanted to make sure that his brothers knew that. And notice how many times he mentions God in our text. Verse 5. Do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me here. Verse 7, God sent me before you. Verse 8, it was not you who sent me here, but God sent me here. Verse 9, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. And so Joseph came to understand that God could accomplish good through evil, that God could take what his brothers had done to him and accomplish something good. And God certainly accomplished something good in Joseph's life. As he was there in Egypt, everywhere he went, he was successful. In Potiphar's house, he became a leader. In jail, he became a leader. Finally, he became a leader in the whole nation of Israel. God, wherever he went, he he seemed to rise to the top. God's blessing was upon him. But you know what? Even more important than his success on the job, God produced in Joseph some wonderful spiritual fruit. And we see that in chapter 41 when when Joseph named his sons. There were two sons that were born to him in Egypt, and those names were significant. They had meaning. In verse 51, Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. 
He named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of affliction. So Manasseh means forget. And he said, God has enabled me to forget about what was done to me. He was not going to be plagued by what happened in his past. That was God's work in his life. And then he named the second born Ephraim, which means fruitful. And notice he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The world doesn't understand that, do they? How God can produce spiritual fruit in us through affliction. And so for Joseph, God accomplished something wonderful in his life through difficulty, through trials. And not only did God produce something good in Joseph's life, but God produced something good for his whole family, his whole nation. He came to realize that God had sent him ahead of them to preserve their lives. There was famine coming. And God used Joseph to literally save the life of his family, to save the life of his nation, to save the promise through Abraham that Christ would come. God brought blessing into the lives of others. And when that began to dawn on Joseph that God was using that evil to result in something good, the light probably went on. He said, okay, Lord, I understand now. I see how you used that evil intent of my brothers to accomplish something good. Maybe that's the place that we need to come to in our lives, too. We look back and we think of some of the things we've gone through and say, Lord, are you going to use that for good? And maybe you see that already. Some trial, some, some affliction, some, some hurt in your life where God actually used that to accomplish something wonderful. So we break the chains of Bitterness by refusing to defile others. We break the chains of bitterness by realizing that God can turn evil into good. And then third, we break the chains of bitterness by responding to evil with good. When Joseph was a younger boy, remember how he told his brothers about his dreams? And they were not happy. They could not speak a kind word to him, we're told in Genesis 37. But when Joseph met his brothers, instead of returning unkind words with unkind words, he returned unkind words with kind words. (laughs) He reassured them. He told them of God's plan for bringing him to Egypt He told them that he would provide for them. And so instead of returning the favor of unkind words, Joseph spoke kind words. And we see that again in chapter 50. When the father died, when Jacob died, the brothers were concerned again. What's going to happen now? Dad's gone. Joseph's going to take revenge on us. In verse 19 of chapter 50, but Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. 
I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. And so their unkind words were met with kind words. And that's how we ought to respond, isn't it? So Jesus responded. And Joseph is clearly a picture of, of Jesus. And it wasn't just unkind or kind words, but Joseph responded to their evil deeds with kind deeds. In verse 10 of our text, he said, You shall live in the land of Goshen. That was the best land of Egypt. You shall be near to me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. And there I will provide for you. For there are still five years of famine. And so he said, you know what? I want you near me. And I'm going to provide. I'm going to give you the best land. The land of of Goshen. You think of responding to people who had treated you that way by giving them the best land? (laughs) Rather than saying, you know what, I'll just send you over there. They're much good over there, but you can have that. He gave them the best. Responded with wonderful kindness. Now that doesn't come naturally, does it? That is not natural to our sinful flesh. When we've been treated unkindly, we want to respond with unkindness. When someone has spoken to us unkindly, we want to give it back to them. But Joseph refused to do that. The fruit of God's Spirit was working in his life, transforming him and and, and giving him the strength to respond to that evil with, with kindness. I'm not sure what you've gone through in in your life, but I can remember times when I was bitter. Remember a time when a teacher treated me unkindly and I carried that for a while. And when I heard his name, ooh, it just welled within me. When I saw him, it welled within me. And I was in seminary when I finally dealt with that. So I carried that for five, six years. And Pastor Ken Penty was preaching, and he talked about bitterness. And God put his finger on me that night. He said, you've got to deal with that. That'll eat you up. That'll defile people. And so I got home that night, and I sat down, and I wrote a note. I wrote a letter to that teacher. And I asked for his forgiveness for my bitterness. I don't even know if he knew I was bitter, but I had to deal with it. And just like the chains were gone. Say, Lord, forgive me for this. Ask the teacher to forgive me for my attitude. And I had just a new, wonderful sense of freedom. To this day, when I hear his name mentioned, I don't have any more bitterness. It's gone. And I praise God for that. Don't let bitterness be a root that springs up and brings defilement. Because of Jesus' forgiveness, you can offer forgiveness to the one who has wronged you. Those chains will be gone. Freedom in Christ. When you bring that to Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, 
as we look back in our lives, there's probably events that we went through, experiences that we had, ways that we've been hurt by others, wounded in our spirit. And Lord, Satan wants to come in and cause us to be bitter. Lord, give us the strength today. Give us your grace to not allow the past to hinder our walk with you today. To not allow bitterness to, to be a root that has allowed fertile soil in our hearts that springs up and defiles us and defiles others. Jesus, you forgave us, and therefore we are to forgive each other. And so may that, may that be our experience today. Like Joseph forgived his brothers, O oh God, enable us to forgive those who have wronged us. For the glory and the praise of your name. In Jesus' name, amen.